What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched James A. Castor stand-up special, Cold Lasagna... Cold... Let me try that again. Cold Lasagna, Hate Myself, 1999. And these are our first impressions with spoilers, if you can have... I guess you can ruin jokes on yeah, stand-up Yeah, we will special. ruin all the jokes. We will ruin the jokes. Um, and, yeah, our first impressions without having any research... Going into our discussion, just our first discussion after yeah. watching the special, which is you can buy it from his website and then watch it on Vimeo. Vimeo yes, so that it's not it's not one of his Netflix specials. specials. Yeah, because he's got a, a quadrilogy of Netflix specials um, that kind of feature in this special as well. But he he self released this, so you can you can buy it. Or rent it, I'm sure, on Vimeo. And and watch it. And um, I gotta say I'm a little disappointed because I didn't remember any content about cold lasagna. I get like, <laughs> I get, like the hate myself in the 1999. I kind of get where that was uh, coming from in, in the bit. But I don't remember any part about cold, cold lasagna. lasagna. I don't remember any part about cold lasagna either. So I feel like that was... An, I mean, I could I could reach a stretch, um, you know, the bit about ordering, not getting what you ordered, and instead of a steak dinner, getting cold lasagna. Yeah, but he didn't. Say, he didn't say that. But no. I believe he said you get a pile of shit. Yes. Instead of a steak. <laughs> instead dinner. of a steak dinner. Oh. That's what he said. It's not cold um, lasagna. There's also, as part of the purchase, a 40 minute bonus feature that is extra material from the production of this stand up oh. set. Um, so it's possible it's in there? I don't know. Um, but if I've learned anything from watching stand-up specials is they rarely, like, have to have a name that matters. <laughs> Sometimes they do, but rarely do they. Like, uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. The name has nothing to do with the show, and that's fine. That's true. That's true. Um, or River Butchers. Also, they changed their name to River, in case you were unaware. Oh, I did not know. Came out, like, two days ago, so... They changed their name. Um, their first album is called Pull Yourself Up by the Bootleg. I don't know that that means anything. <laughs> okay, so the pattern is naming and stand-up specials. You gotta pick a name. That's kind of it. <laughs> It's hard when, when yeah. usually a stand-up special isn't about one thing. Yeah. But many it, things. And some forms are more narrative. Like, this is a more narrative, him telling funny stories mm -hmm. about his life. And, like, uh, Tignataro yes. tells funny stories about her life. Um, Hannah Gadsby. Maybe there's a pattern in stand-up <laughs> that I watch. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of stand-up. Yeah. But I gotta say, James S. Acaster did a good job of, like, we got this because he had dropped some previews on yeah. YouTube, and it came up on our suggested list, and you watch the opening one, and you're like, this is such a, this opening five minutes is such a strong way to open. That I wanted to said. watch the whole thing, and so I just bought it. Like, yeah. I mean, I kind of knew who James A. Acaster was, because he'd been on a season of... Taskmaster. Taskmaster. And was good on Taskmaster as far as I remember. It all kind of blends together. It's You can't necessarily get distinct personalities from Yeah, yeah. It's Taskmaster is such a fascinating show. 
um, you get a little bit of a sense of who they are, but they're mostly trying to accomplish, like, who are you in trying to accomplish this ridiculous thing? The thing you, the task that is impossible yeah. to do. <laughs> that how it do is you just do that? inherently funny to even try. Yes. You don't have to try completing the task. You don't have to add any more no. um, funny to it. But he was good on it, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Uh, and so I really only knew him from that. And I knew he had some Netflix specials. But Netflix actually has so much comedy, it's kind of hard to, like, parse out what to watch without mm-hmm. recommendations from other folks. So. Speaking of, we should probably say, before we start really diving into spoilers, I heartily recommend this special. Yeah, it was really good. I, I want to just put that out there up front. So if you're thinking about it or you're interested in some just high-quality stand-up, check this one out before we explain all the jokes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because <laughs> he made it very clear we're not supposed to talk about the special. <laughs> well, we're not supposed uh, to tweet I'm, about it. Yeah, don't tweet about it. And especially don't say how to do it better. Yeah. That was, those were the instructions he gave to his And really, audience. don't tell him how to do it better. Yes, yes. So we will not tweet this at... Uh, at James A. Caster. Mm-hmm. I don't even follow him. Uh, yeah, and he's never going to find this podcast. No, so which is probably for the best. Yeah. Um, even though we did love it. We liked we it. But yeah, that's that's one of the themes about... The show is the sort of idea that, you know, he sums it up is, you know, I've been doing this for my whole career. Like, I am the expert at comedy in the room, and I have to impress all of you yokels. <laughs> um, and, and struggling with that. Yeah, I got the impression, because that kind of happened early on in the special. Yeah. That it was a joke, but not a but joke. Not. That, that he was a little bit angry with yeah. his audience. And as it went further on in the types of stories he was telling Mm -hmm. i was like okay this is he is kind of angry at at the audience yeah Um, he wasn't completely joking Mm -hmm. he was uh also sending a message yeah (laughs) he didn't want certain people he didn't it's not that he doesn't like his audience although i don't think he likes his audience sometimes um but it's it's It felt like his way of dealing with bad audience expectations. Well, and kind of like an armor for inevitable heckles. Yes. That'll happen. None of that was in this film. Whether that was cut out or or it happened. He talked a little bit about heckles elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Getting heckled and and getting comments after shows. Mm -hmm. People come up to tell him things, which is... A very, it was very interesting because the, oh, people come up to me after your shows and told me a thing is a pretty typical, like, stand-up setup. Okay. I've seen lots of comedians do that. Um, heck, I think even Dave Chappelle did it in his last special, which I didn't watch, but I watched somebody watching it. Um, so I heard, you know, a significant portion of it. Uh and so Acaster did something really interesting, which is he would take that premise and then turn it on its head and be like, why are you coming up to me after shows I'm talking to? Why are you doing this? I didn't want your feedback. No. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of anger in mm-hmm. this. But... Yeah. Mostly directed inward. Mm-hmm. And that's, he sort of, the special, if anything, is about 
like figuring out what to do with that anger. Yes. That's kind of the hate myself portion. Yes. (laughs) Which is a much larger portion than the 1999 portion. And the non-existent cold lasagna. But the first five minutes open up. Talk about what was so strong. I I remember he's making fun of comedians who... Edgy comedians. Edgy, quote-unquote, edgy comedians who uh, are... He doesn't say it, but transphobic. No, he says it. Oh, okay. Well, because he, well, he's like, you know, I'm an edgy comedian now. I I challenge people. And you know who's really due for challenges? Really haven't had, had it easy for too long now? The trans community. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he specifically calls out that. But, um, yeah. Which well, is an example where he's not believing the joke he tells. It's it's sarcastic. Yes, yes. There's Whereas a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> the part about calling out the audience is not sarcastic. Yes. Is like, Don't do this. Yes. Um, he, he, he vacillates very well between sarcasm and not, and, and authentic. Not that the sarcasm is inauthentic. It's an authentic sarcasm. But he, he manages to balance that really well. We'll get to his his part about getting fired by his agent, which was 100% sarcasm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and beautifully executed. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, so he comes out and he starts cussing a lot. And that's he's like, that's my personality now, is I cuss on stage because I'm an edgy comedian. And I want all of you to leave. <laughs> well, and especially, what, the, like, the old pip. People Old people in, in Chrizos. Chrizos, which I guess is British for Christians. I guess. I mean, that could have also just been a thing he made up. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's another one where he's not really joking. Yeah. Well, you get the impression that, like, he doesn't... He doesn't... He's a, it, It's almost like he's afraid that his comedy is attracting those people. Mm-hmm. And that, and it turns back on himself like, oh, I've failed as a comedian if that's who my audience yes, is. Yes, that's too safe and yes. basic. Um, which is not what he wants to be doing. And so then he kind of turns that on its head by intentionally alienating them. So it is, it is a truthful alienation. So coming out in the first 30 seconds and just F this, F that. Yeah. So that audience can now be alienated. Yes. And, and leave if they want to. hmm And he wants them to, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is not an, a quote-unquote edgy comedian, but he, is, he wants to do the sort of thing edgy comedians say they want to do. Which is push boundaries and and make you question the world you live in and the assumptions you make about things. And the particular comedian he calls out is... Uh, oh, I just forgot his name. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Oh, God. Yeah, the, the popular transphobe comedian before Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um, although, again, I saw that bit, his opening bit about it, and I was like, oh, he's talking about Dave Chappelle, was my immediate thought. But he's going more British. Yeah, yeah. But Dave Chappelle and and Ricky Gervais both fit into this, which is, I'm just telling it like it is. Well, Dave, uh, we've known for a while Dave Chappelle is transphobic, Mm -hmm. but it's this, like, latest one that dropped just in the last couple weeks where it was really, really... Yeah, like the whole special was about that. He is very clear that he is mm-hmm. transphobic. 
that's why you're watching a video about it yes. rather than watching I didn't want it. to watch it, but I was willing to watch somebody else watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that, that, was that sort Black, of, right? yes, it was Cat Black, um, who's, Black, who's a, a fascinating YouTuber. I really like a lot of her stuff um, and the perspective she brings to things. Uh, but back to James Acaster. So he's he's making fun of those quote-unquote edgy comedians who are really just upholding the status quo. Like, they're not doing anything dangerous. I, I always think about a quote, I think Twitter pundit Alexandra Aaron said it first, but she's like, comedy on the edge should be dangerous to both parties. You know, you're putting yourself out there if you're doing something edgy, and you have the possibility that you might get cut. And that very much feels like this stand-up special. He was very much in danger of of putting himself at risk just as much as pushing the audience's boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if you come after big-name comedians, oh, they yeah. have a lot more power. Than, 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 the, than trans the trans community. <laughs> but even uh, lower on the tier oh, yeah. comics like James A. Caster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James Acaster does not have the name recognition that a Ricky Gervais or a Dave Chappelle has. Um, Despite, you know, Dave Chappelle claiming that he's, you know, he's not punching down. He's punching up. Yeah. At trans people. Yeah, well, that's a whole other... Yeah, I I don't want to talk about Dave Chappelle anymore. Let's talk about James Acaster. Yeah, so he comes after Ricky Gervais. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, with Also, another phrase I loved was, brave little cis boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then he does uh, a surprising bit. It was surprising to me the bit about uh, Brexit and the second referendum, mm-hmm. um, which was quote-unquote topical humor, which so much of the of the rest of the special really wasn't. It was very personal. So, uh, to me, it kind of gave it a place in time. Yes. And luckily, I'm pretty informed on Brexit and what mm-hmm. everything, because if you weren't informed, he wasn't going to explain. No, he wasn't was. bothering that. <laughs> he was just commenting on what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, kind of not wanting the audience to be the type of people who voted for the Brexit. For, for Brexit. Yeah. Just let's let's weed those and, people and out. And he kind of calls them out and he's like, you know, there's there's probably people in this room who voted for Brexit. And he's like, but let's say, you know, you for whatever reason you voted for it, you wanted to get something else, you wanted to have a chance to be to double check. And that was the only political The humor. only explicitly political yes. humor. Yeah. Yes. Um, but was funny. And, honestly, did a fantastic job of setting up the final bit of the of the evening um, about shitting himself at a restaurant, <laughs> and and was very it was a very well constructed bookend. Tell me how I'm I'm. Well, so so the metaphor he uses for Brexit, and he does a little a little act, and he you know he's like I'm just going to do a little performance here, and you're in, you're in a restaurant. And you say to the waiter, oh, I'd like yes, a, a steak yes. sandwich. Yes. Or no, a steak, a steak dinner. You know, it's like, well, we're not going to give you a steak dinner. I'm going to write that down, but we're going to bring you back a pile of shit. 
the the joke being that the people who were the politicians who were calling for Brexit were promising things that they had absolutely no, no intention. Over. Yeah. So what was voted for was something that had no execution plan, and then it was up to whoever in the office afterwards to figure out how to move this and money see if it was possible. <laughs> bureaucratic structures around. Mm-hmm. So the joke is going to the restaurant, ordering a steak dinner, and them going to the chef, and the chef's like, "We don't have that. We don't do that. Here's something." <laughs> yeah. And and you said. would like the waiter to come back and say, like, well, we don't have that. Can we get you something else? Which was the second referendum portion. Yeah. Um, and then the the punchline of almost the whole special is uh, we're really telling the jokes out of order here and yeah. we're not doing them justice. Again, watch the special. Don't listen to us. Right. It's <laughs> not good when you have to explain. Well, yeah. we explain the joke. For the audience to understand what we're talking about. But yes. But you're a comedian and you have to explain the joke. That's And he doesn't bad, explain his jokes, which joke. is very good. Um, but he, he tells the story of, because of food poisoning, although he didn't know that at the time, um, shitting himself in the bathroom at uh, the steakhouse. And then going cleaning himself up, going back to the table with his, now, his soon-to-be future... Ex agent, um, who and is saying like we should leave, like we need to leave right now. And the agent's like, no, I want to finish this steak dinner. <laughs> and so he did, and they he sat there and finished a steak dinner while James A. Castor had to deal with shit. Mm-hmm. That was a good. I remember. I'm having a little trouble remembering it because we watched it a week ago. Yeah. But I remember thinking at the time that, that was that was a really way, good, strong way to end mm-hmm. stand-up special. And I wondered if it would be up there with how much you like Tignataro's ending. In, I mean, um, nothing has yet held a candle to the ending of Tignataro's Happy to Be Here. Because mm-hmm. um, I just think about that and laugh. But it was an incredibly well-constructed ending. Because I think... My favorite stand-up specials tend to do that. It's like, even if they are these sort of disconnected stories, they are told in a certain order and with a construction that's intentional. And so you can take out a piece and like just look at the Rowan Atkinson story, for example. But the Rowan Atkinson story is part of a much larger story and a context that, that creates the theme of the special and the sort of difficulties. We did that a lot, the structure being, I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah. And here's a tangent for 10 to 15 minutes that kind of sets up this story a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you have to follow on, on the tangent to get to what he said originally the story was going <laughs> to <Yes>. be about. <laughs> um, and it worked really well. It because Because it was so well crafted that those stories and those tangents may have felt like weird off putting like where are we going with this sort of things but he does bring it around and makes it makes it work really solidly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was the second bit was the brexit referendum stuff um and then i think after that he did oh yeah he moved into the why i hate britain and british people and that led to his oh. bake-off story yes where again, he's not really joking. No, no, he's he is telling a story in a funny way. Yeah. Um, 
again, just a well-crafted piece because he's like, I'm going to give you all of the context about this terrible thing that happened to me. I'm going to give you, you know, everything you could possibly need to know about it. And then he does, and he tells you all of the story of, of how miserable he was filming Celebrity Bake Off and how unwell he was and having suicidal thoughts and calling the Samaritans, which is a, a suicide hotline in Britain. Um, and, like, all of that. And he gets to the punchline of the story, which is, like, and now I'm a meme in America. And the entire audience laughs. And his reaction to that is, I gave you all of the context. I removed the reason it should be funny now, but you all still laughed. Mm -hmm. um, which is that sort of, like, hatred of comedy kind of this is like i'm supposed to make you laugh that's my job and i'm good at it but even with all of that you still found it very hilarious because it was kind of a sad story behind why it was, was so terribly it was an incredibly sad story bake off i think that was my favorite section was about bake off mm -hmm. because probably because i had context yeah where it was like behind the scenes how it was of what's it like to make bake off um, and i but i had no knowledge of this uh, you had to show me the meme yeah. of it, or I, I think this is probably a famous episode of it. The because... meme is the famous part. Like, the yeah. episode itself isn't particularly famous. It's not a well-watched episode. It's not one that you can go find on Netflix, for example. Because I wanted to watch it before we did the podcast. Yeah. Because it was such a important story to the overall Yeah. Well, and, and it is fascinating. Like, I do still want to, like, go see, like, how do they structure that episode around him. Not just around him. Obviously there's other celebrities on Celebrity Bake Off. But... Well, and so apparently he does terribly, horribly uh -huh. on Bake Off. And it, as he says multiple times, he hadn't slept in 36 hours and was having the worst jet lag of his life. Mm -hmm. And was saying he said that multiple times on the show. <laughs> and it didn't make it in. <laughs> didn't make it to, the, to Aerie. And so it just looks like he is... Just... Flailing, flailing and yeah, uh, without any context yeah. besides the, or the you know, he, and he puts some pastry in a in a bin. Why I don't know. <laughs> and it's like you're not supposed to put the pastry there, and everyone was laughing at him, and he's like, I don't know why, and I'm trying to stir a custard, <laughs> I'm trying to make a a pastry cream, a creme pat, and I have no idea how to make a creme pat. <laughs> So he, he he rides that knife edge of, like, this is a terrible experience. And he does say, like, you know, I'm okay with all of this now, which is why I can go on stage and tell these stories. Um, but that doesn't make them good stories <laughs> or fun. I I have to say I'm still laughing at it, even though I do know that I'm like the audience. Yeah. I know the context. Well, and that's because he's good at his job and making it funny. Mm -hmm. He's the expert in the room. Uh, I will say, so we had the Bake Off section, and then he talked about, he, again, he set up what he was going to talk about. He's like, I'm going to tell you about the worst year of my life. Uh, you know, my girlfriend left me, my agent fired me, and I shit myself. Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't share the shit yourself. Yeah, he does. Oh, he does. He does. In that oh, yeah, room. he does. He, he does. does. He and does. then he makes you completely forget he said that, so when he comes back around to yeah. it, you're like, oh, Yeah. That, that realization of like, oh. And to, to get to the girlfriend dumping him in 2017, he does this whole other chant tangent yes. from 2013 when a different, different girlfriend. girlfriend dumped him. 
Yes. For Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. A.K.A. Mr. Bean. Um, and that was, I think, my favorite bit in the whole thing. Like, I enjoyed the Bake Off stuff. I enjoyed the whole special. But the talking about Mr. Bean, and I think it was because it was... The the thought that came to mind when he was doing the special was like, it's the opposite of relate, relatable comedy. It's, this is a thing that has only ever happened to me. This is something that is, that is, it sounds like it should be relatable. Like, oh, it's a story about a bad breakup. It's not one even a bad breakup, but it's a story about a breakup. And like, struggling with all the emotional things that happen after a breakup and what does that look like. But through this lens of, a truly unique experience, which is that his girlfriend met Rowan Atkinson on a play they were working at and then left James A. Castor for Rowan Atkinson. Like, that is not a thing anyone else has ever experienced. And he talks about the fact that this is a unique... You can't relate to this. It's the only thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm constantly reminded of it, and it's terrible. And then you laugh at it. Yeah, and I remember in the beginning of the bit, he was talking about laying in bed and kind of being worried. What what if she fell in love with Rowan Atkinson? And laughing at that. Yeah. Like kind of it's so ridiculous. Here's a 20-something someone falling uh-huh. in love you know, with someone much older. And, yeah, and like you know. massively famous. Mm-hmm. Not like... Uh, particularly handsome no. like not not like a chris evans or something no kind of person, kind just of kind ordinary, of a guy ordinary looking like that's human. that's sort of his whole shtick he's like mr bean is a very everyman sort of character yeah yeah and then it's and not then it a happens. joke <laughs> it does happen and it just the way it was set up like oh having that reaction of yeah that that's, that's so ridiculous that's probably him his like depression brain lying yeah. to him because yeah. he's established that he suffers from from depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and, and depression lies to you. It just it's it's a it's a liar. It makes up these terrible things, and then to actually have them happen is ridiculous mm-hmm. and terrible. Um, yeah, but also very funny because he's good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was after the Rowan Atkinson bit was because the story of him actually breaking up with his girlfriend wasn't super it was kind of like cold design yeah it wasn't really yeah. the 2017 breakup well, I mean he kind of goes over it in the Bake Off story yeah because he talks about the fact that, that he called his girlfriend for support and that ended up in them breaking up mm-hmm. um, and then he tells the story about how his manager fired him or his agent fired him mm-hmm. Which was also very funny because he's like, you know, it's it's a very he said, he said sort of thing. And I don't have time to tell you both sides of the story. So I'm just going to tell you his side. Mm-hmm. Which is a fascinating setup. And then he does. He tells you his agent's side of the story in such a way that it is 100% sarcastic. And you don't walk away feeling sympathetic towards the agent. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um... Which was was fascinating and and a very interesting way to take again a a not a typical story but um, a not very funny story a sad and kind of miserable story 
and tell it in a way that makes it very funny. Yes, and the, the Kaisa, from the agent's point of view, is that he is pulling a big prank. Yes! Um, <laughs> I decided to pull a big him, prank to, lose, to torch my career. Yeah, yeah, to possibly ruin his career. It was all... All a prank. Yeah, was, one big prank. I'm a comedian. Oh. I tell big jokes and I do funny pranks. <laughs> and yeah, here's the one where that could possibly ruin my career. But don't worry, I knew that going in. Yeah, I knew, I knew it because it was a prank. It was all intentional. Yeah. I'm going to torpedo my own career as a funny joke <laughs> for the lulls. <laughs> yeah, um, good news is his career didn't tank. Got a new agent. Got a new agent. Which is probably good. It sounds like this was, yeah. even beforehand, a bit of a toxic... A toxic relationship. Relationship. Yeah, which, again, emphasized by the steakhouse story at the yes. end. Yes, You're like, oh, this is kind of a terrible guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't be together. And that, and that, of course, sort of leads to Acaster's realization that um, he's bad at relationships, at human mm-hmm. interactions. Mm-hmm. And he can never let go of a of a bad situation. He can't be the one to break it off. Yeah. He has to be broken up with. Mm-hmm. Which goes into the story about his psychologist. His therapist. His therapist. <laughs> Who was also a bad therapist, maybe? Yeah. Well, she did get him to realize that he, didn't, he was not good at breaking off relationships. Yeah. And then... He broke off his relationship with her. With her, because it was a bad relationship, so maybe it was good? Yeah. Oh, no. It's a, it's a paradox. Um, and read a series of very funny text messages. I don't know if the text messages were funny. Again, I don't know that any of the context of the show is funny. But the way that it's he told. He tells it in a funny way, mm-hmm. which is very good. Uh, and then that leads to the Steakhouse story, I think, was the, the full loop we've now mm-hmm. gone of all the things. Okay, we recapped it. What did you think? I think we covered okay. that in the recap. Oh, good. Because sometimes when you do do the summary, the analysis is in yeah, the summary. The parts true. that you choose to highlight yeah. um, is the analysis part. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I didn't laugh as much as you did, but I don't laugh out loud it's not it doesn't you don't have to it doesn't that's not the only metric um, of of enjoyment but it was really great storytelling Mm -hmm. um and taking these bad sad Mm -hmm. situations and laughing at it but are you supposed to feel kind of bad for laughing at it, too? I, I do. Mean, I feel yeah. a little bad for it at the I end. I feel like it's kind of set up for this 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 weird interaction with the audience mm-hmm. and kind of hating the audience. Yeah, which I think is, is a fascinating thing to come away from a stand-up special with, is, is you know, it hits that sort of... Um, stereotypical like court jester perspective of like oh we're laughing at all these things but we're seeing a deeper more uncomfortable truth underneath because of it mm-hmm. um, something that uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette does really well as well um, although by the end of that you're not laughing much at all it gets real serious it gets dour yeah. <laughs> still a very good special uh, yeah, I don't know did you notice 
his bisexual lighting throughout. I did. I was very aware of it. I couldn't... I, I, I was trying to read any sort of subtext into it, and I didn't get any. I think it was just the 90s new wave aesthetic. Colors, the kind yeah. of blue and pink, neon-ish. Um, yeah. Well, his, and his use of the sunglasses, I thought, was a really effective, like, very small choice. But, like, when he put them on versus when he took them off mm-hmm. as sort of a distancing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be further away. Because the opening bit is mostly done with the sunglasses on as he is intentionally pushing his audience away. And he takes them off and he puts them back on and takes them off. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, subtle change in sort of the persona on stage and how he views us yeah well and the sunglasses are kind of the reflective kind yes which even further alienates the wearer of the sunglasses yes from <laughs> and forces the audience that. to look at themselves yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. basic theatrical Symbolism. design <laughs> one or one of, of metaphor it's a metaphor any other thoughts I think that covers. Okay. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we watched it. I do recommend it. It makes me want to watch more of his stuff. Yeah, he's got four more specials on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which apparently he had written most of that material before getting the specials. Because like a lot of British comedians, they do comedy festivals. And they go around and they spend a year building a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they have a piece at the end of that. And so, like, the various specials in the Netflix series were filmed for Netflix, but they were all specials that he had written before. Over the course of... A number of years. Yeah. Doing these small, small bits. Yeah. Testing them out. Yeah. Because comedy is is a a process that you have to do, like, you can't just write it all and go on stage and hope it's funny. You have to iterate and practice and see how people react and change and make reactions and... Think about how hard it is to write like a tight, tight five or tight ten. Oh yeah, and then have an hour and a half. Or special. in the case of this, two hours. Was it two hours? It was then. two hours long, yeah. uh, and there were forty minutes of uncut of cut material. Yeah, um, which is fascinating. Yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, a, a tight five or a tight ten is a lot of work, and mm-hmm. to be able to turn that and like one of these bits was you know fifteen twenty minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, so turning that into a much larger piece that also works narratively as a entire unit is really impressive. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Go watch it. Go yeah, go watch. Purchase it on his website. I think it's yeah. jamesacaster.com. It probably is jamesacaster.com. And don't look for the cold lasagna, though. Because, I mean, no cold do lasagna. look for it and then tell me if, there's where, any cold lasagna. Where, if I missed it anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't recall any cold lasagna. Yeah. Well, should you tell them about our Patreon? We, we had a really great pre a... pre episode conversation before this particular episode. Yeah, because we have a Patreon, and one of the perks you get for supporting our show on Patreon is double unedited episodes, which is the same episodes, but they're unedited to the point that uh, our pre and post episode conversations end up on there. And you can listen to us talk to our cat or talk about weird YouTube videos Amy made, or Kevin made Amy watch. Amy did not make Amy Kevin did not watch. make a, Kevin watch anything. Um, and that's one of the perks. The other perk you get of our two perk platter 
is you get a list of episode or list of movies we did not watch for most episodes. Uh, so I always give Amy a list of five or so movies to pick from to watch, and then she picks one, and then we watch it, mm-hmm. and then you get to see what movies we didn't watch. And sometimes they come back. Sometimes mm-hmm. episodes have shown up more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we eventually make an episode on them, so you can get a sneak peek at potential futures. And get some ideas of what you might want to watch. Yeah. Because uh, there are too many movies, and there's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of movies. Uh, but we watch as many as we can. Patreon.com slash 5Degrees. And thank you for supporting us thank by listening. Thank you for listening. supporting the show. That's all. Yeah. Oh, the patrons per episode, not per month, but you can set a monthly cap. So if we don't release episodes, you don't pay us. And if we release too many episodes, you can say, I'm going to stop paying you. And that's cool. We don't mind. But even just listening to the show is awesome. Telling your friends is super awesome. Rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcatcher is a lot of work, but it's really appreciated when you do it. That that's all the things. That's all the things. Cool. All right. Well, say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.